Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. To get us started in a real spiritual sense, um, let's do a little survey of what is the best music genre. Okay, so just like, just shout them out. What are some music genres that you like? It's your favorite. That could be classical, could be jazz, could be country. No, okay, that, there's no country. Anybody, so shout them out. What do we got? I heard jazz. I heard what? Hip hop. There we go. R&B. Let's go. Who else? Grunge. Okay, in the last, we had like somebody going like EDM, like electronic dance music and deep house. Uh, what else we got? We got, yeah, we got some I didn't hear anybody say praise and worship, so a um, little judgment here. In the first service, somebody shouted that out. Any other ones? Rap. Okay, there we go. Gospel. Come on now. Country. Yeah, there we go. Come on, man. So I spent a whole long time explaining about how I loved country as a, as a kid in my like early teens, and nobody really cared about it, so I'm going to skip that whole story. If you said, who said R&B? Where's R&B at? All right, come on. That's where we're going today. And you're like, how, how does that fit into where we're going? Title of the message today is we need more R&B in our lives. So you're going to love it. It's going to be good. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. That's going to be kind of our anchor point. And then we're going to dive into a few different texts this morning. But maybe the R&B that we're talking about is not the R&B that you might be thinking. But by the end of this, I hope you realize, okay, I do need some more R&B in my life, because I do. So let's look at the text and figure out what the heck Pastor John is talking about. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says, Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does it say? Repent and believe. There's your R&B. So when you're taking notes and you remember like years down the road and you look back and you go, what did this, was this pastor talking about? I need more R&B in my life. It's repent and believe, not rhythm and blues, sorry. I mean, maybe we could jam to some Alicia Keys, some Beyonce, whatever. But what does it say? It says repent and believe in the gospel. So where we're going today is we're going to fly through the fact that you and I, we need more R&B in our lives. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a repent and believe and then I'm done. It's a continual daily process. And we're going to look at five different moments that will probably happen this week. Maybe all five of them, maybe just one. Some of them might happen on the road home. Where you're going to need this principle of repent and believe. So by way of, of just trying to introduce myself, my name, my name is John. I've said that before, but like I've been a youth pastor, I've done uh, missions, we've done, I've planted a church, um, 
And I love all things church-related. At one point in time for like the junior high kids, I led worship. So I've kind of done like all the different parts of the church, but what I'm excited about is how do we point each other? It's not about somebody up here. It's not about what Pastor Luke might say. It's not about what some leaders might say. It's about all of us going shoulder to shoulder and pointing each other to Jesus. Amen? That's what we're doing this morning. So if, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. ready. Okay, so first thing, when you need R&B in your life, you need, it when, you need some R&B when you're lost. Now, this is both for when you're driving, uh, but also when you're lost spiritually. So let me tell you a little story about when I was lost physically. Um, so as I said, we were in missions. Uh, we lived over in Central and Eastern Europe, got a chance to work with churches over there, train up young leaders, run these camps for uh, students. And there was a couple that we got introduced to that said, hey, we want you to come uh, and visit us. We want to hear more, more about this, this ministry. And as this American couple, they're living on an island. So we were living in Croatia. So if you've seen anything about Croatia, it's awesome. Um, and you might be thinking, man, I wish Jesus would have called me to Croatia. Maybe he is. Maybe this is that moment. I can introduce you to some people. Um, but we had to go on a ferry, go to this island, meet this couple for the first time. And so we're driving on this island and have to meet these people. And I'm a pretty firm believer in technology. Like, I think it's not going to lead us astray. I think it's going to get us to where you type that thing into Google Maps, and it's going to get you to where you need to be. And so I type in the address, and we get off the ferry. We start driving. We have, like, my two younger sons. Uh, the older two were at camp, and so it was just, just the four of us in the car. And we're driving. Okay, it's nice, it's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, it does one of those things where it's like, okay, take a right up here. So obviously, I take a right. And it's a kind of a, I should have known at that point. It looked like, like the main road just kept going. There's still like 25 minutes left. And I'm like, well, it says we're supposed to turn here. So we turn, it's this winding road down to this kind of little village, stone, like walls, sunken in roofs, a little bit of like, ah, I don't know if people live in this town. Sure enough, there were, and it leads me to like pull into what looks like somebody's driveway. Okay, this is Google Maps. I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth. Like, Google Maps told me where to go, and I went where Google Maps told me to go. And then we're in this person's driveway, and then there's this path that kind of veers off to the left, and that's, you see the little blue line? It's like, okay, this is where we're supposed to go, so we keep going. And this is like, I don't know, some shepherding footpath, not an actual road. And there's these rock fences on both sides, and it starts to slowly get, and I'm kind of inching forward, and now I want you to just picture all the married people in, in the place, I want you to just picture the tension that begins to rise in the vehicle, okay, between husband and wife, we love each other dearly, we've been married for 20 years, it's awesome, but in those moments, there's usually somebody who's saying, why did you do this, and the other person's going, because it told me to do this, and there was a frustration that began to well up in the car. Then, this path starts to get so narrow that it begins to scrape up alongside the sides of the cars. And I couldn't turn around. This is not like I could just be like, oh, I'm going to pop it in reverse. Because there was metal rebar that was sticking up out of some sort of concrete. And I was like, if I go backwards, it's going to pop a tire. I don't know what we're going to do. So we, the only way we could do was keep going forward. And again, the tension is building in the car. Okay? So we finally get to this point where there's like this incredibly steep incline to get back out onto the very road that we were on originally. And I have to gun it 
you know, if you've ever been in, in a, this is not a four-wheeling, like, vehicle, scraping the bottom of the car, all because I decided to listen to Google Maps. Now, I'm still a believer in Google Maps, but it just, maybe it just had an off day. I don't know. We finally get out, and I'm like, okay, we still have to get to these people's house. And the stress in the car, we're, we're back, I'm frustrated, you're, I'm frustrated, you. And we do as every good Christian couple does as soon as you get to the place. And this is like five minutes later, like heart rate's still coming down. And it's like, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, hey, so nice to meet you guys. And like the voice goes up real high. And you know there's going to be some whisper fighting in the room later on that night as you're like staying at these people's house. And all because I decided to listen to a voice that said, go this way. When in all honesty, I should have been going on a route that would have gotten us there faster and with less damage to the vehicle. Why am I telling that, that story? Because when it talks about why we need repent and believe, we need it when we are lost. So if you're a note taker, go ahead and drop that in. I need, I need repent and believe. I need R&B when I am lost. When I'm lost spiritually, because we know Jesus came to what? Seek and save the lost. And what does he say here? He says, repent and believe. That's how you can be found. That's how you can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what repent and believe does. But the issue is that we live in a culture, we live in a world that points us and leads us, and we have so many voices telling us where to go. Just listen to your heart. You know, we all like got these nice songs, just listen to your heart. No? That's old school. That's like 80s for, for some of you. But we live in this culture that's like whatever feels right, whatever, just do whatever you want. And that's just only going to lead us in a path that's going to lead us to more destruction and more damage to those that are around us. So how do we look at this? How do, what, is, what does repent and believe look like when I'm lost? Let's look at each of those words, repent and believe. Repentance in the Greek literally means to change one's mind. I like to think of it as a turning. You see this throughout scriptures. Turn toward the Lord. So you're headed in a direction. This is what I probably should have done, but I couldn't turn the car around. But you're headed in a direction, and it is a turning. That is repentance, the literal turning and a changing of one's mind. You see your circumstances differently. You see the sinful condition that you are in differently. So it's a turning and a believing. And these two go hand in hand. You have, you have to have belief with repentance, and you have to have repentance with belief. Belief in what? Belief in the gospel. And I love that this is the name of your church, Good News in the Neighborhood, because that's what gospel means. It means good news. And Tim Keller said it really well. He said, it is good news, not good advice. Good advice is like, hey, here's some tips and tricks. Here's, here's the seven things you should do to make your life better. No, this is good news. This is a proclamation of truth. And this will change your life if you repent and you believe in the good news. So by way of recap, what is the good news of Jesus? It's that this creator king created you and I to be in relationship with him. Our sin separated us from him. And then we spent all this time throughout, as you look at the Old Testament, trying to do sacrifices and follow the laws as closely as possible, but it never was enough for us to be in right relationship with our heavenly father. 
And then Jesus stepped out of heaven, walked this earth, and paid the price for you and I. So that we could be set free. So that we could look at our circumstances differently and we could understand our sinful condition and turn from it and believe that there is something greater. There's no way we can sing the words of this song, you are enough, without believing that it is true. It's hopeless. We live in a fallen place. We live in a sin-stained world and we're still going to struggle through it. And we're going to talk about that in a moment, but... The hope is, when I see differently my circumstances, my sin, and I believe that there is something greater, more satisfying, more joy-filled, more comforting, and that is in Jesus Christ, that's what repent and believe means. That's where you and I need to be, and that's what we need daily. Not just one time, okay, I did that, I made that decision, great. No, it's a daily occurrence. When you talk about repentance, it's a change of intellect, a change of emotion, and a change of the will. If you want to know what true repentance looks like, it affects the way you think, it affects the way you feel, and it affects what you do. And why does that happen? It's because you believe in the gospel. You believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. That this is good news. It changes everything. So you and I, we need some more R&B in our lives. Amen? Amen? I'm sweating up here, so let's go. <laughs> Second time that we need some R&B in our lives, we need R&B when we're tempted. Any Christians in, in the place, you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and have you, have you ever wrestled or struggled with sin since you made a decision to follow Jesus? Okay, I got one honest guy in the back. I appreciate that. Every day, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Some of you were tempted to not raise your hand. There you go. That's temptation right, right there. Sin does not just disappear once we've made that decision to repent and believe. So we need to continue to live in this mindset of how do I repent and believe on a daily basis because sin is always promising, over-promising and under-delivering. Always. And what sin is wanting to do is wanting to call into question the goodness of God. Think about that for a second. What, what was the lie that happened in the garden? The lie was that God was withholding something from Adam and Eve. That's, that's where the, the seed of sin comes in. It's always going to call you to question the goodness of God. And what we see in the text, actually, if you bump up to verse 13, this is where Jesus had just come out of the wilderness. And what does it say? It says in verse 13, he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And if we were to do a deep dive in Matthew 4 where it goes, you know, each situation, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, what is, what is he doing? He's calling into question his very identity. He's speaking to the, the, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, the son of God, and he's calling into question his identity. This is moments after the heavenly father had he'd been baptized and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. What is Satan's first thing? If you are the son of God. That's what the enemy wants to do. So what Jesus in the wilderness is forced to have to do is go, no, 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 I have a change of mindset as to what he's bringing at me, and I believe in the truth of my Father. 
That's what allows him to stay away from the temptation. The temptation is always going to be there. Just one look, just one click, just one wager, just one drink, just one text. And it's going to pull you in, promising something that it cannot deliver on. And we need to have a change of mindset, something that affects the mind, emotions, and will. Then I turn and I believe that there is something that is greater. It's so easy to run because it's so enticing. And yet we see the model of what Jesus did. He fought temptation with what? Every reference of his fighting temptation was quoting scripture. He used the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So for you and I, this week, on the way home, when you are faced with temptation, Let's go to battle and let's use the sword of the spirit and believe that there is a greater promise for you and I. That's the truth that we can hold on to. That's why you and I, we need some more R&B in our lives. Amen? Okay. We've got seven people. Let's go. Next sort of moment in our lives where we need some R&B. I need it when I'm fearful. And I know this can be a subject that is, that's hard to step into because there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of things where we like to label it. And I'm not here to be a, a, a doctor or a professional, but I want to address the fact that you and I, everybody in this room faces fear of some kind. It might be fear that you're never going to find the love of your life. It might be fear of, about your finances. It might be fear about your future. It might be fear about medical. I don't know what it is. And it can trigger you into a what-if scenario that is an endless loop that you can't get out of. I took my kids to uh, Six Flags last summer, and I realized, one, I'm too old for this, and two, they have some weird roller coasters now. Have you seen the one that's literally just one loop, and you just go around? That's it. Have they been, been on this? I don't even know what it's called. Okay, yeah, you're wise for not going. That's all right. But what was amazing was, okay, so I had three of my kids with me, and one saw the ride and said, nope, I'm good. I'm not even, like, getting in line. Another one of my kids was in the line, and we're watching the thing go, and then he's like, ah, I'm good. So he made it at least, like, into the line, waited for a while, watched other people screaming, and was like, ah, I'm good. And then the third one, my, my youngest, he got in, was in the ride, and, you know, it does this, like, sort of goes up and down, and then it goes around, and you, like, hang there for a while, and you're upside down. And if you could have seen, he was sitting across from me, and if you could have seen the way that he, like, gripped, and every muscle in his being was just rigid, like, <laughs> you know, like, panic. This little 11-year-old, and I'm like, I hope he fits in that seat, and I hope it doesn't, like, it's not too big on him. But the reality was everybody experiences fear differently. So the first was like, I'm out, no good. Okay, we're going to get a little closer. No, I'm good. Then the other one, I'm in it, and I don't know how to get out of it, and I'm freaking out. So each of us have experienced fear in some kind of a way. And if I can share a little bit from our own personal experience, my wife has battled anxiety, battled fear, battled panic. And the sad thing is that sometimes our fear is, is actually based in reality. 
Our third son was born with a heart defect and had four open heart surgeries by the time he was two and a half. And we were given specific instructions. Watch for this, watch for this, watch for this. And it led to a spiraling down for my wife. Where what she thought was actually caring for and taking care of her family, but it, it, it spiraled her into this endless loop of panic and fear. And she couldn't get out of it. It didn't matter how many times I'd be like, hey, let's read this passage together. Let's listen to this sermon together. Let's listen to some worship music. Let's figure out what we need to do. Let's get you some help. What do we need? And it was an endless loop of fear. And the only way that she was able to even find freedom, and she's gone around and spoken on this in, in different places, she said, I had to realize that I couldn't get myself out of it. Talk about repent and believe. I had to see it differently. I had to turn. And she said, she uses this language. She's, I literally have to turn my spiritual head and go, nope, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to turn and I'm going to trust that he's got it. Now, it doesn't mean that it just disappears. The circumstances are still difficult. The, the, the challenges are still there. But do I believe that he is the one who has created heaven and earth? Do I believe that he holds the whole thing in his hands and he sustains it? If he can sustain what he created, he can handle your problems and mine. That's the beauty of it. Now, what's the hardest thing to, or what's, not the hardest, but what's the worst thing that you can say to somebody who's in the midst of fear? Don't be afraid. Like, yeah, thanks, that's really helpful. And yet... We actually see Jesus speak that. I think the only one who can say that is Christ. And if you want to flip over to Mark chapter 5, it says this. This is the story of Jairus, and, and he has a, a daughter that's sick, and he's gone to Jesus. He's looking for help, and then they get interrupted in the midst of it. You remember this? this is a woman who had a discharge of blood, and Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to help heal his daughter. And then they get interrupted. Imagine the, the kind of the, what led him to actually go to Jesus because he was afraid for the life of his child. And then to get interrupted in those, those seconds that start to turn into minutes, that start to turn into hours. This could, we could have been at my house by now. I'm, I'm kind of adding a little commentary to it, but I'm thinking as a father for my own kid. And then the worst news comes Verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So even in the, the worst news possible, here's Jesus' comfort. Do not fear, only believe. You and I, we need some R&B. We need to change our mind, our emotions, our will about our circumstances, and we need to believe that he is with us and that he's going to walk us through this. Now, for, for Jairus and his daughter, it, it worked out well. They went to his house. She raised her from the dead. She's ready to go. But I want to speak to the individuals here where it doesn't just go away. And you're pleading with God, you're begging, you're fasting, you're praying, and your circumstances aren't changing. And there's a fear that begins to grip 
and it cripples you. And it's like my son who's just every fiber of your being is just tense. Jesus is saying, don't fear. Believe in me. Release that. Give it to me. You and I, we need to repent and believe when we're living in fear. Amen. I think of, you know, verses that come to mind in Romans 12, 2, where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take every thought captive, all these things. You've probably heard these. This is part of us changing how our, our mindset is and believing he's got us. Two more things, two more moments in your life that I believe that we need some RMB. Now, I've only done five, so there might be, there probably is a lot more, but I think these are some that you're going to face this week. So we've, when you're lost, when you're tempted, when you're fearful, I need RMB when I'm deceived. What do I mean by that? Has anybody seen the movie Inception? Okay, we got like a few. Inception, I, I love that movie. It's like from 2010. So if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, I'm ruining it for you, but you had enough time between 2023 and 2010. So the concept of the whole movie is that there is this dream hacking technology. Somebody goes to sleep and they're able to enter into somebody else's dreams. It sounds really weird when I, when I explain it. It's a great movie. But they can enter in and the whole point of the story is they're trying to get into this guy's mind and plant a thought. A seed thought so deep in his subconscious that when he wakes up, he believes it's true because he believes that he had that thought. And they're deep in all these like layers of dreams. It's it's crazy. But when I watched that movie, I literally thought, I'm like, that's exactly how the enemy operates. He doesn't climb into your dreams. But what he does do is he feeds you lies all the time. Lies about you and lies to cause you to believe. How do, you're like, give me some foundation as to where you're getting that from. If you want, flip over to John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus is actually scolding the uh, Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he's telling them that he, they're essentially... They're sons of their father, the the sons of disobedience. So John chapter 8, I'll start in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. And here's the part I want us to to, to take special attention to. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Revelation tells us that he is also named the accuser. And that he stands as an accuser before the throne, accusing the brethren day and night. Anybody ever fall asleep kind of like walking through all the ways that you've failed that day? Oh, you screwed this up. You're a loser. You're fat. You're ugly. You failed. You said you were a good husband and you're not. 
Remember that thing that you said? Remember that thing you thought? Remember that thing you looked at? And there's a list. And it becomes this piece of that is who you are. That's the enemy's tactic. But what's beautiful about that passage in Revelation 10, it says that we have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So what's true about us is that we've been covered by the blood of the lamb. What's true about us is that we turned from our sinful ways and we have believed in the good news of Jesus Christ. So when that is true, it is no longer true uh, that I am a sinner. I am, yes, a sinner, but I have been saved by grace. I have the righteousness of the king that is clothing me, and I get to go before the throne room of the Father, and he says, this one's mine. That's the truth. Yet, so many of us walk around day in and day out believing the lies that the enemy has spoken over us. And it might have come from a family member. It might have come from a teacher. It might have come from a coach. This is who you are. And so many of us are walking around believing lies and agreeing with those lies. And I want to challenge you that it's a change. See it for what it is. Identify the lies that you are believing about yourself and believe the truth of who God has called you to be. That's a homework assignment for you this week to go home and just Sit down, pen and paper, God, what are the lies I'm believing about myself that are not true? And then, God, what is it that you say about me? And I encourage you, go to Ephesians chapter 1, and it will tell you that you are forgiven, you are loved, you are adopted, you are chosen, you've been predestined. That is what's true about you. We need a change of mind, emotion, will, and a belief that this is how God sees me. Last one, and we'll wrap up. I need some R&B when I'm doubtful. When I'm doubting, when I'm questioning, when I'm wondering, is this true? Is, is everything that I'm reading accurate? Because sometimes, we talked about it earlier, sometimes it doesn't feel like it is. And it's easy to doubt because all the world wants to do is squeeze out any truth. And one of my favorite prayers, one of my favorite stories in the Word of God is the story that is in Mark chapter 9. So maybe just flip there real quick. It's a story of a boy who has an unclean spirit, and they come to Jesus. Mark chapter 9, you can start in, in verse 20. It says, they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed. And the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it's often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can. And Jesus kind of reprimands kind of a, a little bit one of those moments where it's, he says, if you can. He repeats it back to him. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Here we are again. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. It's a theme throughout Scripture. That we can't just do one time and go, okay, cool, I've got it. Now I'm just going to go live. Oh, no, we need to 
repent and believe on a daily basis, especially when we're doubting. And he comes to him kind of going, if you can, Jesus kind of sets him straight. In verse 24, I encourage you, I challenge you, underline it. May this be your prayer this week. Because immediately the father of the child cried out. Sometimes when that conviction hits hard, there's an there's a actual reaction. It, and we cry out and we realize, oh. And what he says next is, I believe, one of the most beautiful prayers outside of the prayers of Jesus. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. That is the most honest prayer you can pray. God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I don't know if you're going to change my circumstances. I don't know what's going to happen here. I believe, help my unbelief. I'll close with the story of a friend of mine. His name is Tim. He's got a daughter that's the same age as my daughter, and she was born with uh, no ligaments that held the kneecap in place. So for most of the time, it's okay. If she starts to run, if she starts to do activity, she'll dislocate her kneecaps, which is an excruciatingly painful experience, and then try to put them back in place. And as she began to grow up, she's 15 now, but as she grew up, there was a fear of running. Because she, that was the, the moment when it would slide out or it would be painful. So she had this fear of running. And they were looking into any op- opportunities to, what can we do to help her? And so there was some people that are willing to do a sort of stages of surgery to help her get her knees to function properly. They didn't know going into it if it was going to work, if it was going to happen, if it was, it was like, hey, we're going to try these things. And we were sitting there, and I'm asking them, as they're about to like, go into the first surgery, I'm like, what, you know, what, how can I be praying? What are you asking God for? And he's like, I'm just asking that God would allow my daughter to be able to run without fear. And I remember that's a, that's a beautiful, like a father's heart. And I said, do you believe that he can do that? Do you believe that God can do that? I mean, granted, this is over a decade of watching their daughter who is just petrified of running. And he said, I believe that he can do that for others. And he said this with tears in his eyes. I believe that he can do that for others. I find it hard to believe that he can do it for me and for our family. And that's, that's stuck with me because I think I, I saw myself in that statement. Oftentimes, I've grown up in church, I've, been, I've seen God do some incredible things, and oftentimes I'll believe God can do this for someone else, but I don't believe that he can do it for me. And I doubt it. I doubt that he can do it in my life. I actually have a belief that he can. Yes, absolutely, he is able, for sure, we'll sing about it, but I, I'm not sure if that can work in my life. What's beautiful about that story was she's gone through countless surgeries, is we got a text, we have this little like, group chat with our families, and they said she ran in physical therapy, and she ran without fear. And it was an answer to prayer. But we don't always get to see where this thing's going to end up, do we? No, sometimes we got to be in, we got to be under, we got to be 
remain believing, okay, God, you've got this. And even if it doesn't fix, if it, even if it doesn't solve it, I trust you. I can say you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance because you are enough. That's what repenting and believing does. That's for you this week. When temptation comes, when fear comes, when you're believing lies about yourself, when that comes, when you are doubting that God is good, you can repent and believe that he is enough. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word and to be challenged to repent and to believe. And so God, just even in the stillness of this, this moment, I just pray for every individual that's in here that whatever the circumstance might be, maybe there's temptation, maybe there's someone in here who's realizing even right now that they are lost and they need to turn to you, they need to make a decision to follow you. Maybe there's somebody who's been gripped with fear. Maybe there's somebody who's believing lies about themselves. Maybe there's somebody who's sitting here doubting your goodness. In the stillness of this moment, we can say, Father, forgive us for doubting. Forgive us for running after these temptations, Lord. I believe that you are enough. I believe that you are good. I believe that you are more satisfying there's more contentment and joy in you than anything this world has to offer. I believe it. I declare it to be true. And whatever you are at this morning, you might need to make that prayer of declaration. God, help. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Father, help. And he meets us where we are. We thank you, Jesus these things in your name. Amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.